Hi, everyone. Welcome to Superwomen. I wanted to provide you with some really great advice from amazing women. And today I'm very thrilled to have Allison Wyatt on the podcast. Um, she is my co-founder at the Female Founder Collective. She is also the CEO and she is an amazing investor woman connector, educator, all things. And so uh, we wanted to talk today about really great advice. Um, if you're in your business, what to do with investing and how to raise capital right now during this time, if that's what you were in the middle of or just how to frankly survive. So without further ado, Allie, welcome to Superwomen. Thank you, Rebecca. I'm so excited to be on. I know. I'm going to try and ask you things that I don't know the answer to, even though <laughs> we talk about we all talk things every day. So, <laughs> yes. So, do you want to give a little bit of a background to start on? Yeah, more than what I gave on on your history and. Well, path. you you gave a really great intro, so thank you. I think in terms of investing and how I got into it, it was very sort of organic. It was at refinery 29 and I was managing their revenue. And so I was always looking for ways to create ancillary revenue streams and more efficiently drive revenue on behalf of the business. So that meant meeting with a lot of different technology providers, um, software providers, service providers. And in doing so, I felt very lucky to be able to vet some really interesting startups and get across the landscape of an entire industry, which one I thought was the most effective tool for, for doing its particular thing, um, whether it was a shopping cart or an ad tech technology or a brand in certain cases, because we would partner with, with brands to help them launch or um, partner them with other like-minded brands as part of sort of the service that we offered our partners. And so in doing so, I got introduced to these really inspiring founders and I sort of tried my first investment. I was in a meeting with somebody and I'll never forget. He was, he was talking through what he was doing and I loved his demo so much that I asked him point blank. I was like, you know, I think this is great for refinery, but in addition to that, I'm wondering, do you actually accept, are you accepting investors? At the time, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> it was just sort of an impulse. And he said, I'd love to talk to you about that. We onboarded him at Refinery29. And then I went ahead and invested in him. Um, and he actually had an exit to a competitor within the space. It was Sugar Media at the time. And that sort of gave me my first taste of what return could look like on the private equity side. So I left refinery and then I always invest alongside myself when I go into new businesses. So when I went to Goop, I invested as well. And um, I had done the same thing when I was at refinery. Um, I ultimately went to Girl Boss because I, I love also operating in startups and in between being at Goop and Girlboss, I had consulted and therefore had seen a lot of different types of businesses. I came across the ladies from The Wing, the founders there, and invested in them in their seed round um, because we were sort of talking about what that business could and should look like. And it was sort of perfect timing for me because I was consulting at 
time and I was running around New York City without an office and with a baby at home that was constantly demanding my attention. So I never had a quiet space to work. And I also was craving community of other women, ideally. And so the wing, when they'd come to me and sort of presented it as a third space and a place where you could have a home away from home, really resonated. And then I went on to invest in a number of other companies. I sort of got the bug and um, invested in a friend's company, Somersault. And Reshma, the, the founder of that, is extraordinary. So I really got the bug at that point and continued to invest in different female founders and learn about them as well as really start to advise a lot of different companies in different industries. Wow. So you've definitely had a lot of experience. So... <laughs> Uh, running and operating and investing. What I would love to talk about is I'm sure there's a lot of women out there who were about to start fundraising or were in the middle of fundraising when this cycle hit us. So what would you tell those businesses to do? And I don't know if you can get rid of the dog, but (laughs) there's a dog. Trying to actually get him to quiet down. I I don't want to lose disconnect from you. Um, So what would I have those founders do during this period, I think, first of all, that a lot of founders are not going to receive funding at the, mo- at the moment, unfortunately, because I think there are a lot of funds that are putting pencils down, unless there are funds that want to really take advantage of this time to be able to get decreased valuation. So if you are going to go out and try to raise capital, you are going to have a different set of expectations, first of all, that investors are going to want from you. But in addition to that, you are going to have to likely decrease the valuation that you had originally set out with, unless you are in an industry that is really set up well for a COVID environment. And what would some of those companies be that are you think are set up for a COVID environment? So there's been a lot of talk in in the news and a lot of sort of speculation from in general around what the world's going to look like. And the unfortunate answer is that no one knows. So there's a ton of uncertainty. But we do know that there's going to likely be this thing and a number of different quarantines that happen over the next 18 months. So businesses that are going to most likely thrive those that really service the at-home consumer. Um, So whether it is your dishware to, and when I say the food industry, I specifically mean the food industry for direct-to-consumer, you're actually selling CPG products, food products, or you are selling directly into grocery stores because we, we all know that the demand for grocery store products has gone up because people are not eating at restaurants at the moment. I think the other industries that you're going to see a spike is like that have to do with sleep, mental health and wellness, because before we were in an epidemic around mental health, and now it's going to be even worse. You're going to see technology continue to skyrocket as it relates to setting up a remote work environment. I think you're work accelerated. So platforms that 
provide for freelance businesses or for finding talent um, that is part-time slash contractor work. I think you're going to see a lot happen there. Even the home goods industry could do really well in the sense that if you think about it, if you're going to be home all the time, you want your home to be as lovely as possible. Yep. And so I think people are going to continue to invest in that or even seeing that, for example, in the marketing from CB2 or, um, you know, Domino Magazine. Everybody's talking about how do you create the best remote office environment, um, which I clearly have not done. (laughs) (laughs) And Um, I mean, this is this is another reason why technology is going to continue to be really big and, and telemedicine, um, but technology too, to enhance at home broadband, because right now, for example, we don't, we have a one router in, in this house and we had to go out and get another router. We're, we're trying to optimize our Wi-Fi because I think you're not used to sort of seeing the amount of people working from home in this sort of distributed environment as, as we're seeing right now. Yeah. So if you're not in a COVID uh, thriving environment or products and, and you know that people are either going to give you a low evaluation or not give you money, do you think that as a business, you should just sort of pause for now and come back out? Or do you think that these companies should just say, well, that was fun and give up like, (laughs) or, or look at like how much, how much cash flow do they, you know, should they look at like any, any tips around what do these companies do that are sort of at this weird crossroads? Yeah, it's a great question. So I wouldn't close up shop, especially if that means financial ruin for you. I, I, I would certainly not give up. But it is time to plan. I mean, the nice the nice thing about this is that you are at home. You're not having to run out to meetings. So you're not sort of wasting time that you could be using in front of your computer to commute somewhere. So it's time to scenario plan. And first round as well as Sequoia, they both put out these really amazing worksheets on how to go about doing that. But a lot of what the, the sort of instruction that's coming down from these amazing venture firms is saying is that you should be looking at a reduction of your operating expenses of 10 to 20 to 30%. So those particular scenarios, you should be looking at a reduction of your revenue of 10 to 20 to 30%. You should be looking at scenarios where in 18 months, we're still in this environment. What does your world look like? And the sort of first step in doing that is what are the areas of uncertainties in your business? If you are a consumer products business, for example, that, you know, if you're in fashion, like you are, Rebecca, it doesn't mean that your business is going to go under by any means. It's just, okay, so what, where are weak spots? What do we think people are definitely not going to buy right now? There was, um, there was actually a really interesting conversation that happened with Uh, I think it was on the quarterly review with the CEO of Urban Outfitters. And they were saying that they have the Zoom effect happening where you have this boom actually in jewelry as well as tops because everybody wants to look good from the waist up. Yep. So 
how do you how do you sort of go deeper in those categories as a brand and market accordingly? Um, and then on the flip side, how do you market things that are really comfy that people can wear around the house or for a walk outside? A lot, a lot of people are spending more time in the outdoors. You know, how do you target this new environment and then adjust your, your numbers accordingly? I think it's really about sitting down before it was important to do financial planning and modeling. And I think it's become even more important now and, and adjust and and plan to adjust quickly, by the way, every single day, you should be relooking at things and trying new things and seeing what works. And if you do find something that works, then you can, you can adjust accordingly. But I think it's necessarily asking for money right now um, because you could get, taken advantage of, frankly, but rather it's, it's really figuring out how to optimize your business and not thinking that it's over. I don't, I don't think that it's over for the businesses that are not specifically COVID. I just think that the businesses that are specifically COVID could actually take advantage on the upside of what's happening. Yeah, totally. I mean, the hair, the hair color I use is having like seven X traffic. She can't keep her stuff in stock because everyone's dying their hair at home. So it just goes to show that like some of these companies can totally thrive during this time. Yeah. So as far as companies that maybe don't need to raise, but had hopes of starting that cycle, we would say pause for now, right? Optimize, do your financial planning. Yep. Um, get really just ready to go out the gate when this recovers once, once obviously we don't know when this is going to recover or how it will, but do you think that people that are investing are going to be just, is it just going to be a different environment? Like after the dot com bust in the nineties? Yeah. Like, is it going to just be different? You think? Yeah. Investment will not stop. Um, I think for sure you're going to see different expectations from investors uh, and that, you're going to absolutely need people to have a longer runway as far as cash goes because because they have they're going to need more cash on hand because it's now become king. So the the sort of um, the common refrain that we're hearing is that 24 months is what people need. Okay. So um, I would sort of I think 24 months feels very high. If you aren't a venture backed company to have 24 months of cash seems very unrealistic, but um, I think it's, it's having more cash on hand. Um, It is, it's having a more diversified revenue stream so that if things were to happen that were really poor, you're, you're ready for it. Um, I think it's knowing your numbers backwards and forwards so that you won't ever be caught unaware. And it's ensuring that you have all of these scenarios that you've planned for so that if the worst case happens, you know what that looks like. If the the best case happens, you can take advantage of it. 